When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is July 15th, 2022, halfway through the month that comes halfway through the year. Here we are tonight on the Wrestling Inc. podcast, talking about the SmackDown, talking about the Rampage that was pre-taped. Uh, I'm Glenn Rubenstein. Alfred Connell is joining me. NYC Demon Diva Issa said, you know what? If Roman's on the show, I'm not on the show. She's skipping tonight. For the lack of an appearance from our tribal chief. Yes, we're going to try to make it through the show without her and without Roman, but uh, no guarantees. Yes, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, before we hop into the wrestling, what is going on in the news? Oh, there's never a dull moment in the story that is sweeping the nation right now, Glenergy, is WWE's reported move to TV 14. <laughs> Now, it was reported yesterday by Andrew Zarian that they'd go to TV 14. There seems to be pushback on that report that it's not going to happen imminently on the next episode of Raw, but it is now expected, according to Wrestling Observer Newsletter, while WWE has yet to acknowledge a change in direction, it was confirmed that it was a USA Network decision, so not necessarily WWE, and it's going to be more leaning toward using more profanities rather than broad <laughs> panties, nudity, blood, all that type of gore. So it looks like maybe not this coming Monday on Raw, but uh, imminently within the next couple of weeks, maybe a month, who knows, WWE is going back to TV 14. It, it is a USA Network decision based on some technicality of Brock Lesnar saying shit kicker and them having to do the dump button or whatnot. But uh, what do you think about TV 14 in WWE? Glenn? Is this going to save us? Is this going to bring wrestling back mainstream? I mean, okay. I like gritty programming. I like programming that does not insult my intelligence and is, does not watered down in any way, shape or form. I do not think WWE is going to use this in a way to tell more artistic mature storylines that have more of a basis in reality. I think we're going to get a few new swear words added to the mix. Uh, maybe a little more violence and potentially some really tone deaf segments uh, that are of a, a, a titillating nature. Um, but I don't know that this is, this is not what's wrong with WWE currently. But you know what's weird than I'm thinking about it? I've seen fans that have said this is what's wrong with WWE. Oh, yeah. They're out there. Yeah. But these are the people that like think about the Attitude Era. And every time I go back and watch Attitude Era stuff, like I'm going, this, this, this is not as good as you remember it being. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, a thousand percent. Yeah. It's just not as good. Not as good as your memory. Yeah. It was good at the time. Yeah, and I think that's a mistake is people correlate the attitude era with the violence in the blood and the sex, and that's why it was so great, whereas it was just these two once-in-a-lifetime stars that nobody's been able to replicate and a combination of very good storytelling that was of the zeitgeist of smut TV. That's how all 90s TV was uh, in, yeah. when it comes to smut and all that sex and violence and stuff like that, but by no means was the TV 14 rating a precursor. Like, the 
arguably the greatest moment of the Attitude Era that everybody remembers it, almost always gets number one as the greatest moment. It was Austin spraying down Mr. McMahon with the beer hose. You could do that yeah. on TVPG. There's nothing really edgy about that, but it was such a great moment because of all the thought that went into it. And then ironically enough, what I would say now that we're pretty much done with the PG era, the greatest moment of the PG era to me was Becky Lynch or one of them was Becky Lynch bleeding yeah. like a stuffed pig at the top of the ramp, which is not a TVPG moment, but because they had such a great storyline in place, it did not matter in terms of the violence and how it correlated. So it all comes down to the story is the uh, common denominator with this. I mean, I just see somebody in the writer's room saying, okay, TV 14, what do you got for me? What mature themes? And someone says, what if Austin Theory in his briefcase has cocaine? <laughs> well, like, like it's, yeah, but it's going to be like really weak stuff. And it's like, what about instead of everyone calling each other bitch, uh, what are what other words can we say for TV 14? What? No, we can't say MF or okay. Okay. That's out. Can't say, can't say a C word. Uh, a C -word. Like what else is, what else is there? You can say aside from shit on TV 14 that you can't say on TV PG. Cause TV MA. Oh, you can, you can go there. You can get pretty colorful with it, but don't think that we're going to get like fun, new insults as part of this. And they're going to have know? to turn it up if they want to go TV 14, because with that money in the bank briefcase, Seth Rollins, it was heavily implied, had a vibrator in his briefcase. So they're going to have oh, to give yeah. us a TV 14 version of that joke. What if Seth Rollins got really into wearing a thong and nothing else? Cause we're TV 14. Thank you for that visual. Uh, yeah, we gotta wonderful. we gotta kick it up a notch. We gotta kick it up a notch. You know, people want edgy, edgy content. They want to see new things. Yeah, things we're gonna you get can't more PG. Kids love South Park. What are we gonna do to tap into that demographic? Because we're losing it right now. UPN's got a show coming out. It's called Shasta McNasty. Nasty is in the title. How do we compete with this? It's Y2K. Cisco singing about thongs, rapping about thongs. How do we compete with that? RIP to UPN and shout out to the Parkers and Moesha. The Mullets, first episode, they were at a SmackDown taping. How do we top that? It's a great memory. But yes, yes, I completely agree with your point, Glenn. Uh, TV PG, TV 14, obviously. I mean, I've seen this take everywhere. It, it just The thing is, if they're going to bleed more, that's fine. Just make me care about the person bleeding. If they're having sex more, that's fine too. Make me care about the people making it clap. I just, as long as I care about the people, then whatever you do with them, whether it's violent, nonviolent, it's going to be better. That's all. Do you think there's talent backstage? Do you think Los Lotharios are like, look, this is holding our gimmick back that we cannot be as, uh, to quote Two Life Crew, as nasty as we want to be on television. Loosen up the rating. Yeah, now they can kiss with tongue. So watch out for that. Oh, Hide your wives from you the Lotharios. They might even do more than kissing. If it's TV 14, oh, they might. There you go. There might, there might be like some uh, dry humping. <laughs> yeah, we can get it. Get some... <laughs> Everybody can get it now. Everybody, you can hide your wives. I'm telling you. This is going to be incredible. Actually, Another... I was going to say NXT 2.0 should be TV 14. Because that already is yes. basically Temptation Island. And that kind of tells you something in that they're going a kind of edgier direction in terms of sex and sexuality on NXT TV. And it hasn't really improved the ratings over what they were doing last time because the stories aren't as good and the wrestling isn't as good. So, and another indication that they're not 
probably going to change much as this was, again, a USA decision. It wasn't necessarily WWE's initiative that Vince McMahon's having one of these moods where he thinks they need to get edgier. This is USA Network, I think for a highly technical reason, saying we need to go to TV 14 so that we can don't have to scramble when Brock Lesnar says shit kicker. Like, and if that's, if that's what you think is wrong with WWE's product, USA, you're going to get what you deserve out of this. When Otis is up there doing the truffle shuffle and they're like, <laughs> what? We're TV 14 now. This is yeah. cool, right? There's going to be a moment where USA Network's going to be like, okay, guys, you're TVG now. We're going all the way back. Something. I don't know. It's very weird. Uh, Allison Tuckwab, Super Chat, four ninety nine. How is that going to help the show? And with Vince's situation, trying to bring up the ratings, doing that Monday Night Raw, maybe not the time you want people to be thinking about WWE and things of a sexual nature. Maybe yes. poor timing. Yeah, you don't want to make that connection. And hey, maybe they're planning to do an angle based on all this stuff, and it <laughs> needs to be TV 14. I wouldn't put it past WWE. I know they're being radio silent about this. But uh, you know how combative Vince McMahon can be. Uh, Speaking of combative, one of the people he was combative with, Sasha Banks, her asking price is in the streets, and Sasha Banks is commanding a whopping $30,000 per appearance. Get it how you live, girl. Sasha Banks is believed to be released from WWE and has been making some non-WWE appearances as of late. She does have a couple plans. She's uh, got a C2E2 appearance that I believe was announced Wednesday. So uh, Sasha Banks, $30,000 per appearance. Can we get some of that Raj money and get her on this podcast, Glenn? What do you think? Perhaps. So at a signing, that's for the the common convention, right? She's going to hit the circuit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think at 100 bucks a pop, I think she sells 300 meet and greets. And I think sure. they recoup on that. And then there's probably a split additional. And you know, a lot of these, have, have you done much of the concert? Have you visited much? I have not done the new school concert. So not only are you paying admission to the convention, she's going to help sell tickets there. Talent doesn't get any of that beyond their guarantee. They don't get any of the door. But then you've got to buy the add-ons for the meet and greet. And then, then adding further, you have to pay to get something signed or to get a photo in a lot of these cases. So it adds up. And I think, I think there are 300 Sasha stands that for her first appearance, I think there's, I think there are dirt sheets. I think there are wrestling websites. They're going to pay there. And just to get a minute with her and ask her a question to try and get a quote they can use. And that's probably $300 well spent because that'll get picked up in the echo chamber. If she says anything remotely of note, I don't know that she's going to be able to do this 52 weekends a year, but for the first one, 30 K. Absolutely. That is the safe in in this uncertain world that is perhaps the safe and safest investment there is right now yeah and around the con circuit it sounds like they think it's a pretty good deal there's a lot of people running conventions who say that they absolutely would pay that price for sasha banks and these are people who know what everybody's fees are and how people can draw and how they can make a profit off their money and it's always kind of a gamble but i think one of the things that's most valuable about sasha banks is she is one of the most loyal fan bases of yeah. any wrestlers, maybe the most loyal. It's very comparable to Nicki Minaj and how the barbs just protect her on social media and buy up our merchandise. Sasha Banks has a lot of ready, willing, and able paying customers. And in this time where she's not with WWE, when she's probably not going to be guaranteed to be coming to your town, wherever she shows up, I think they're going to make, I think 300 is is being generous. I mean, it's being conservative. I think she could do double that in terms of the amount of people that show up to some of these public appearances, especially early. What was Undertaker at as his peak when he was going to do that star cast? Cause he didn't know about the affiliation with AEW. 
I want to say there was a public number about that. I don't want to say it first in case I might know something other people don't. But ballpark twenty five thousand per hour. Yeah, so ballpark doesn't sound off for this. Yeah, yeah, but remember, Undertaker's was per hour. Sasha Banks is just to get Sasha Banks for that session is thirty thousand. Undertaker, he'll probably be there for three hours, let's say. So that's seventy five thousand dollars right there. But you know, well worth it. Actually, more is that worth it for the Undertaker? I think it's better value, obviously, with Sasha Banks. But I mean, twenty five thousand per hour, depending on how long you have him there. You don't want. I mean, I think yeah, hour four, hour four, he's talking about Blue Lives Matter yeah. and uh, like hour four, Taker and gets riots. a little, yeah, punk, Taker gets a little punchy in hour four, <laughs> you know? That should be what that show he's doing, that one man show, just put some Jack Daniels there. And then as it goes on and on, we get to see who he's voting for and all that stuff. Yeah. Taker, what do you think of Antifa, you know? <laughs> it just turns into like an hour long endorsement of Rod and DeSantis. <laughs> What else we got? Finally in the news. uh, This is more of a non-news story, but it is on uh, Wrestling Inc. And it is a pretty sizable update in terms of Triple H. He is back in the fold in the Performance Center and is expected to work with NXT Talent. But it has been confirmed that he is not back writing shows. He is still in um, somewhat of a supportive capacity to Shawn Michaels, who continues to run the show at NXT. By the way, I just saw that Rivals Annie with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. The story has been told a billion times, but I thought they did a fairly good job with it, if not rushed, but it was a, go check out Rivals on a and I thought it was okay. And uh, they're saying that Triple H is not back to writing yet. So he's not necessarily back in a full-time capacity. He did say he was back. He did show up at the Performance Center and he has been working with NXT, but he's not the overlord that he was in the 1.0 era, Glenn. Which is a shame. I didn't watch 2.0 this week. How was 2.0 this week? It was okay. I think you would have really enjoyed it. I was actually really hoping to uh, cover the show with you because it was uh, Cora Jade. You heard about what happened, right? It was I a heard. big turn where yes. there was a big whodunit for an hour. And, you know, I, I don't she think the, anybody believed her. She is so the she angriest did. skater girl since Avril Lavigne. Timely <laughs> <laughs> references tonight. They're both yeah. still alive because they were death. I don't know. I heard Avril had a, a duplicate replacement. <laughs> Maybe. Big Maybe conspiracy. Quiet. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, but no, look, I want Triple H back. It's weird if he's working more on this collegiate athlete program because that seems like, well, kind of at the beginning, right? When he was in there and he's the son-in-law, former wrestler, and they're like, okay, figure out what you want to do in the company. You know, it could have very easily gone with some glorified position that doesn't really have much impact on things or isn't really public, and he chose talent mm-hmm. development. The collegiate program... I mean, and this might speak to the skewed priorities of WWE now. They might think that recruiting collegiate athletes is going to be more lucrative than going with the indie-rific NXT that he so masterfully put together before. Yeah, and I don't like the idea that it has to be one or the other. I think pro wrestling, like any business, diversity of people is great. So the more pools you have to pick from, great. I'm a big fan of the NIL program. Um, The learning curve is going to be very steep if this is going to be your whole next generation. But let's not act like whether it's Kurt Angle, whether it's Bianca Belair, whether it's Mark Henry, there have been these molds of athletes who became huge stars. And I could see that happening with this class. I just don't like the idea that they're just going to take everybody from one pool of talent with the NIL, but I'm all for it. Mia Lee, 499, saying Ember looks so stupid on AEW and I loved her. That match was ins- like insultingly short tonight. That yes. was ridiculous. It looked like um, a practice, like they were practicing moves. 
Yeah. Uh, who do y'all think Maxine Dupree is going to be next week? Someone from NXT starting to enjoy Theory's character work. I mean, Theory is owning it. I don't like Austin Theory, but I don't think you're supposed to like him. Uh, and that viral thing with his shoulder blades tonight, the way it was like popping when he was flexing, like it's like he's double jointed, like double jointed shoulder blades or something like it's just sorry d- double jointed that's always a kid you remember that as a kid you'd have like the friend who's like i'm double jointed. see what i can yeah. do you're like what the hell is going on here you are an alien that was wild like, and alexa bliss is double jointed and sometimes she uses that to make it look oh, like she fake. broke her arm that's fine but i'm talking about you know everyone knew the kid that could turn his eyelids inside out and they would stay that way yeah you know or jeffrey or like, weinrich see every everybody had at least one in their class um, but let's talk about Maxine Dupree before uh, we offend the double jointed community. <laughs> is there a double jointed community? Oh, we'll hear from Okay, we'll hear from the DJs. Um, oh, there you go again. <laughs> One slur after another on this podcast. <laughs> uh, Maxine Dupree is going to be part of the summer. Uh, Max Dupree's sister is going to debut next week. Now, I saw tonight online a few places mentioned that Solo Sokoa and Tiffany Stratton were at NXT to, or were at uh, SmackDown tonight. I hope it's not Tiffany Stratton because she's got a good thing going on. I could see her, though, putting her as Max Dupree's sister because they think Maximum Male Models is getting over, and she definitely would fit that type. I think she'd be perfect for this, especially as long as she started out in more of a managerial capacity, didn't wrestle as much, and got to just showcase her character. I think she is a perfect fit in terms of a mean girl, very materialistic for somebody who would only be into models and only be talking of models. I think that'd be great, but I actually want them to go absurd. I want it to be like Amari Miller, and they just don't even explain how their brother and sister. <laughs> I want it to be a black woman like they do with, like the show Louie was on for years, and his wife was black, and they never explained it. Or his ex-wife, we had these white kids with. Never explained it at all. They just, he just happened to have a black wife with these white kids. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I think it'd be cool if they do something unexpected with it. But in my mind, like Tiffany Stratton's the super obvious choice. I yeah, I think that's a great choice. Yes. Uh, Allison Tuckwab, 999, saying it's going to be fun to see what the wrestlers are going to come up with. Someone told me it's coming up this Monday, the change to TV 14. So That was the initial report, that it was going to be effective immediately, really, that Monday the 18th is the date for TV 14, but it's being reported that that's not going to be the date. There's been a lot of back and forth with this story, so we're just going to have to look at when the rating flashes and what it is. But it is pretty eminent that they're going to TV 14. Yeah, Rin's suggesting Lash Legend. Let's get it. Let's go. Someone was saying, is that Ginny from NXT UK? Someone was, I saw speculation on that online as well. Oh, possibly. Um, was she backstage? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. I'm just, just curious. Just curious what they're going to do uh, with this. So, okay, let's, uh, yeah, Ginny Couture. Everyone Couture. Saying. Yes, every everyone right now furiously Googling Ginny Couture because uh, they don't watch next to uk oh yeah jenny couture cool look yes that would be cool okay so uh anything else in the news nothing else in the news we're all caught up there we go good look uh okay so smackdown tonight we open with pat mcafee talking about corbin attacking money in the bank he remembers being roommates with Corbin when they were rookies for the Colts. Corbin appeared on the Titantron, looking ill, bruises on his arm. Said it might be monkeypox, timely. Um, 
But then he introduced Liv Morgan, who got a fantastic babyface pop. Yes, this is a fine segment. They went back and forth. I will say this about Pat McAfee. He is the babyface in this feud, and he continues to be great on the mic, and I think this is going to be a good match. But the story of this feud is Pat McAfee mouthing off about happy Corbin, calling him bum-ass Corbin, really unprovoked. And then getting jumped. Like, why should we be sympathizing with Pat Mackey for this when he just got a receipt? I don't know. But I'm sure this is going to be a good match. And I, I like that, listen, Lib Morgan, and they know this, continues to be very popular. And she calls herself the underdog in this feud with uh, Ronda Rousey. I think a lot of people would be shocked if she lost. And furious. This could be like a Daniel Bryan moment for her if she was to lose yeah. to Ronda Rousey. And I very much expect her to win. So I don't consider her the underdog at all. But Pat McAfee... I knew kids like this in school. Hell, I was a kid like this who would sometime like talk shit about someone. They would beat you up and be like, stay down. And you'd be like, wait, I just saw something else funny to say about like your mom. Uh, <laughs> so I respect that Pat McAfee. I, 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 I understand Pat, you know, he likes kicking them when they're down. Um, yeah, but okay. Liv Morgan, huge pop. Love to see it. She took out Natalia, beat Natalia. Short match, good match. But Liv, Liv, like, this has been a long time coming. I think that WWE did not recognize for the longest time how much organic babyface support she had. And then I think it honestly got to the point where they they couldn't ignore it anymore because you would see on social media, a lot of times wrestlers post things on social media that come across passive aggressive mm -hmm. or complaining about their spot on the roster and there's nothing they could do. But I think in Liv's case, like she managed to not piss off creative or the powers that be enough anytime that she shared her disappointment with the fans and it just got her more over to where everybody wants to see her get the opportunity. And when she got it, when she won, I mean, just incredible. Yeah, everybody from every level of wrestling was proud and happy to see Liv succeed like this. And I could actually see WWE do this reverse psychology thing where they say, well, if we beat Liv, Twitter is going to be furious and everybody's going to have her name trending number one and it's going to make her into a bigger baby face because they're going to be so mad, just like Brian Danielson when, like, I get that kind of line of thinking, but it's not productive and I think it would be overthinking themselves. And I really hope they don't go that direction just to get that kind of Daniel Bryan type grassroots. Everybody's going to be pissed at us. So we're going to make them more over. It shouldn't be Rhonda though. It should actually be Lacey. That could work. I mean, I think if Rhonda won, it would be more, it would definitely turn Rhonda heel, but Rhonda is kind of a golden child within WWE. So I think it would be easier for people to hate that decision with Lacey Evans. I think she could run with that. And I mean, I forgot how good she is at cutting these cute promos because she's been this baby face for so long, but I, I, I'm here for heel Lacey Evans. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that would be phenomenal. Um, so yes, we had Austin Theory backstage. Paul Heyman was talking. Man, Paul Heyman is just uh, Paul Heyman is just carrying the 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 uh, bloodline with uh, these promos and all his interactions tonight. Because uh, of course, this could be a last man standing match at SummerSlam. He doesn't want Theory to cash it in. Oh, let's talk about this. Uh, in a segment rivaling the old day, if you don't go to YouTube, if you never saw the old day, we had uh, the new day come out as the Viking Raiders. Yes, and they wore their Viking Raider garb. I've seen better. And then the Viking Raiders came out. The Viking Raiders shouldn't talk. 
They should just like grunt and growl. Why yeah, were they out there speaking? It was a little more high pitched too. Their voices than I expected. They didn't even put on an affect. They just sounded like normal guys, and it really took away from the mystique. Yeah, it really did. It really, really did. Definitely um, needed more grunting for sure. This feud is, I mean, this feud is the epitome of mid card potentially kick to the pre show. Yeah, it seems that they're really trying with the Viking Raiders. They're calling them the new Vicious Viking Raiders. and The Vicious I, Viking Raiders. I'd imagine they're going to go over the New Day. So that really seems to be the purpose of this feud is to get the Viking Raiders over. But they've had so many false starts. I don't think it'd be fine for it. Rin saying Viking Raiders sounded like the Geek they Squad. Did. They did. They sounded like, can I fix your laptop? I expected to be the next sentence. It was very, <laughs> it was almost jarringly so. Like it was like, wow, that's what these Vikings sound like? I mean, New Day was funny. The whole thing when Xavier was talking like a pirate, there were some good moments there. But the like, this was not the heated exchange to build up a really intense feud. I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I like the. I mean, them destroying the New Day the past couple of weeks was very impressive, and it got them over. But this didn't do much for either team. I don't think. Uh, Gunther uh, chopped Kaiser again. It's an abusive relationship. It is abusive, but I like how Gunther was like, you've disappointed me. It's time. It's time for the chops. I mean, why why doesn't he just put him over his knee and paddle him? You know? (laughs) Hey, TV 14, there you go. There you go, man. It could be a... a, Yes, we can get a paddling for sure. (laughs) Uh, We can do it now. Um, So, Aaliyah was supposed to face Lacey Evans... We got another Lacey program. I mean, I don't know. This is another, they they didn't have, it seemed like they didn't have a match for like an hour. And this was supposed to be a match. And then it just didn't happen because Lacey Evans cut this promo and they didn't wrestle. I mean, what does it say that with both uh, now Lacey Evans and the Forgotten Sons that they've been able to have people use like their military service in a gimmick and then proceeded to get them booed or just indifferent by the audience? Yeah, it might be Vince McMahon's personal problem in the military. Maybe there was a serviceman who bumped into Vince McMahon and spilled his coffee that we don't know about. But Vince kind of seems to have an axe to grind against the military. It's probably some weird principled stand where Vince is like, you know, Muhammad Ali wouldn't serve. (laughs) And I respected the hell out of that. He's my hero. (laughs) I mean, right? Like, Matt Morgan used to tell these stories that, like, Vince will go on and on uh, about Martin Luther King and like as somebody should Martin Luther King is someone to very much be looked up to but it's like not what you think of is like Vince is gonna like sit there and wax with the soliloquy about how much he admired I mean it's just surprising given yes. some of the content he's been on the air if you were to put out a number of names not knowing who his hero was I think Martin would be at the bottom of that list if he even made it yeah I don't know uh, like so yeah maybe but it is weird with Lacey and even on commentary they're like it's really out there booing someone talking about their military. Service. Yeah. And this is the thing with WWE. They had her position as a baby face and I thought it was going very well. I know Issa was on to her early and didn't like her uh, quote unquote complaining, but I thought that these were very harrowing, relatable stories she was telling. She was being a real person, which they don't do much of with baby faces. And they were actually, this is one of the rare instances of WWE doing a good job of the baby face and they turned her heel the minute they could. She didn't even get to be a baby face once she started wrestling. But it's really odd. It's like the sanctimony now, this is like this is like a bad version of Bret Hart's anti-America thing. 
Like this isn't even as good as that, and that wasn't that good. I mean, Brett made some salient oh, really? points. Well, I thought it was, but uh, but with, but with Lacey without there, where she was just like, "I'm not better than everyone else here, but I'm better than you, fan." It's just kind of that was a weird line. Yeah, I don't know. I want some some meat on this, you know, like some meat and some heat. Like let's the meat. The meat was as a baby face where she was actually telling her real story yeah, about like, I know. mental health and abuse. And it was this poignant thing that she was doing that actually meant something. The way Eddie Kingston cuts promos about his mental health and connects with people. But now they're doing a heel. So it has to be this cheap, let's make up a reason as to why she's mad. And whenever they get into that territory where it's not real anymore, then it is going to be cheap. I don't know. I think if you want to come out there and talk about how the audience like discuss you and they're not as good like you could you you could be clever like there's Mm -hmm. there's a thousand different ways to cut that promo and this was like almost i'm afraid to say anything specific for fear of it going horribly wrong so i'm gonna just give some very generic platitudes about how i'm better than everyone here and you don't deserve me yeah yeah it's every heel promo yeah uh, I mean, why don't she just diss the local sports team while she's at it? <laughs> oh, that's coming. I, I thought I did think she was good in her delivery. I, I think she's and you did hear her say nasties again. So who knows if she's going to go back? I, to... I did like the nasties. The nasties that uh, that worked. I liked her old rig gear so much better than this new gear. It's, I uh, I'm not a big fan of people wearing non-traditional. I like actual gear with boots and trunks. Like the John Moxley look where he's wearing the baggy pants or I'm not, I've never been a big fan of that. Hmm. Uh, oh, and Dylan Matthews is pointing out that, yeah, Kayla Braxton was dissing Liv saying that her victory over Natty wasn't as dominant as Ronda's last week. That was interesting. Yeah. Kayla had another moment. I think, yeah, it was when she was talking to Liv where she seemed disgusted with, she, I, I think I might've kind of rolling her eyes when Liv was like walking off or, or she just seemed not impressed by Liv Morgan. I, and I noticed it. I don't know if it was, supposed to happen like that but that's a good gimmick though that's a good gimmick you know um they did something with remember with summer ray when she made her in-ring debut because she was a nxt on-air talent and then she like kind of threw some shade at Paige, and that set up a match that was how summer transitioned Mm. uh into wrestling in kayfabe so yeah i kind of like kayla being like passive aggressive interviewer yeah, we could use any type of person. I mean, she does a good job in her role, but WWE is very limited in how they present their backstage people. They're highly scripted and scripted ask a lot of dumb questions too. But if she were to actually be able to express her personality, I think it would be better. Yeah. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Ridge Holland. Drew McIntyre. So Sheamus does not want to wrestle a match where he would become a number one contender potentially. He just keeps throwing, and, and why does he keep getting chances to do these bait and switches? Why don't they just say, okay, screw you. You don't want this title shot. We're not giving it to you. We'll just give it to Drew. Why does he yeah. get to keep baiting and switching? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm rereading the show and remembering what I watched. And I was just like, very little in tonight's show actually made sense. Yeah. I agree. They put on a TV, like they are contractually obligated to the Fox network to give them two hours with commercials every Friday. And they met that contractual obligation tonight. (laughs) Nowhere in the contract does it say it has to be good. (laughs) She's got to fill the letter to the letter of the law. Yes. Uh, Theory versus Madcap Moss, the future of WWE match, which God, did they hammer that over your head? Yeah. Madcap beat 
theory with the briefcase um, for a DQ. Good to see young guys out there getting it. I mean, I know Madcap is on the younger side, but he's been with WWE, I think, for 10 years now. Uh, and uh, they're finally doing something with him. So, hey, it's good to see them showcasing these guys. I will say, to the point made earlier, I think from Allison, it, Madcap, or not Madcap, Theory is getting better, I think. as a, I think he's getting a little more comfortable. He's definitely being hot-shotted in this role, and I think that's where a lot of the resentment comes from. But I do think that he's starting to connect a little bit. It was like actual Theory sucks chance, and he was doing a good job working the crowd tonight. Theory is a very polished version of something I'm not into. It's a good way of putting it. There's nothing yet, because they haven't really done anything to make you care. That comes with time. So there's nothing yet that I can hang my hat on with Theory and be like, oh, man, you got to see this guy. But, I mean, at least they're picking somebody. It's just it's the same it's the same reaction I had to the band Hoobastank. This is a very polished version of something I'm not into. A lot of apathy. Me, me too. Yeah. Austin Theory is the Hoobastank of professional wrestling. <laughs> Nobody aspires to that. And I've never thought of it that way, but I think that's very accurate. Hey, that stupid The Reason song, which sounds like it was written by AI uh, back before AI was a thing. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure they're set for life, whoever wrote that song. Uh, so let's talk about Sami Zayn, or as my wife called him, the angry Safoan, foe, F-A-U-X, uh, <laughs> who was out there tonight as a member of the bloodline, uh, which I love this. I love Sami Zayn out there speaking for the bloodline, acting like he's Roman's right-hand man. And they were like, so you talked to Roman recently? Like, well, it's been a minute, you know? <laughs> He was great on commentary. This Bloodline B-Squad, you know, when Roman Reigns is on TV, Sami Zayn and Paul Heyman, they're able to create some pretty entertaining television. So good on Sami Zayn and Paul Heyman. But wasn't Sami banned from SmackDown? Didn't he lose a match where he had to leave and go to Raw? Wasn't that a thing, like, literally a month ago? Did that happen? I believe it did. I, I can't remember who he lost to, but he lost to somebody. I think it was Shinsuke, where the stipulation was that he had to go to Raw, where he was no longer allowed on SmackDown. Huh. Well, but a couple weeks ago, it was, it's a long-term storytelling. He was on commentary tonight. It was good. It was entertaining. Um. So, oh, and then Sammy's trying to talk theory out of cashing in also. So the Usos came out and we had Angelo Dawkins versus Jimmy Uso. And the suspense was who was going to be the special surprise guest referee for the rematch between the Street Profits and the Usos at SummerSlam. Angelo Dawkins won his solo match against Jimmy Uso. There was speculation. Could this be Solo Sokoa? Could this be Naomi? Could this be some new, exciting, fresh face? And we got that hot up-and-comer Jeff Jarrett, Double J, announced as the guest referee for the match at SummerSlam. I get the Nashville-Tennessee connection, but like... In this feud with the Usos and the Street Profits, this comes out of absolute nowhere. It's like selecting Jeff Sessions to host the Source Awards. I, I don't understand where Jeff Jarrett fits into this feud, but hey, we're in Nashville. I don't know why he had to be a guest referee in this match, but what are you going to do? He's musical. Let's have uh, the Usos had an awesome freestyle battle against the New Day before. Oh. Let's do that with the Street Profits and let's have Jeff Jarrett moderate that. I would love to see that. I would love to see even Hot 16 out of Jeff Jarrett to get us started. 
<laughs> and then it turns out Jeff Jarrett's lip syncing and it's our truth. <laughs> oh my God. Why are we booking this product? I know. I know. Like, yeah, here, here's, here's, here's how it would go. This would be my trajectory in writing for WWE. I'm going to just suggest the wildest, stupidest shit. And they're either going to fire me week one, or they're just going to put it on the air. I like that. It's like, you know, it's either, yeah, it's just either going to work or I'm, I'm gone. Yeah. You know, but yes, Jeff Jarrett lip syncing to our truth. Need to make that, that happen. That would be so great. Yes. Uh, so that was tonight on the SmackDown. I mean, uh, I feel I feel like SmackDown. They get to the end of the week, and WWE is just really phoning it in. Yes, it very much came across like that this week and last week, where it's like they're trying to get out of having matches. They would go long stretches, and this happened partly on Raw too, where it's just promo after promo after promo. And not a lot of wrestling. So I don't know what's going on, whether it's maybe people are getting hurt, so they're getting a little gun shy and they want to protect people or they want to keep a certain amount of people on TV so they don't have to pay people. I, I don't know what's going on, but there's not been a lot of wrestling lately and it's been standing out. I'm not one of these people who needs all this wrestling, but it stood out. And the show drags, actually, when this happens, when people are just talking for most of it. They could do more with this. Uh, it just felt very much like an obligation. Mm-hmm. Much like Back to the Future 2, I've been reading the visual history of the Back to the Future series, and Robert Zemeckis says straight up in the book, says, I was really excited about making part three, and I just sort of got through part two so I can make part three. Wow. That checks out. That makes sense. I was rewatching part two last night. Part two has some freaking odd choices some and like some crazy moments where it's just like... I respect that they went back into the first film. That was really cool. Future thing, great idea. Really subpar execution. But whether it's it's just the little lines in there where uh, the, the the biggest one being the like, uh, hey, I think he took his wallet. I think he took his wallet. Just like weird. <laughs> mo- like you watch it. There's at least like eight or nine weird moments in that film that you're like, okay, somebody's just trolling with this. And they were yeah. like, ah, they'll probably get cut, but let's just shoot it anyhow. <laughs> and it somehow stayed in the film. Doesn't that make it, you don't think it made it better? I, I had such high hopes for Back to the Future 2. And part three, I was like, I remember riding my bike to the theater opening day and I was like, I'm seeing this because I'm hoping it's better. And I loved part three. And, but, but I'm not a Western guy, but yeah. I loved part three. I thought part three had a lot of heart, really good story had the spirit of the first one, but the first one I think is a perfect movie, but the second one is just like a bit of a cluster F of ideas. Yeah, definitely the in-between one. Yeah. And, uh, but I have to say rewatching it. I don't know the last time you watched it. You know, who doesn't get enough credit, especially for back to the future two, but two and three is Tom F. Wilson playing young Biff, Biff. old Biff, dark timeline, Biff Griff. West, uh, old West Biff or Buford, like Tom Wilson has remarkable range in that movie. Yeah. And you know, Biff was based on Donald Trump. Yeah. The, the, the Biff horrific, yeah. uh, timeline as they call it in the book, but I recommend this visual history book. I picked this up for like 20 bucks on Amazon. It comes with a lot of like souvenirs inside that come out, including like the, uh, a lentacular flip of Marty and his siblings. Yeah. Um, it comes with like, uh, the, the letter and envelope that Marty wrote to doc. Like it's got like all the, it's got like 20 things in the book that you can tear out of the book. Wow. And like keep as a little prop souvenir. And they're really high quality. That sounds dope. 
Yeah, it's a very cool book. Glad, yeah. glad I picked it up. So let's talk about Rampage. Fighter Fest continues. Can you believe they're keeping this Fighter Fest joke going two years later? Yeah, yeah. and they're going to do it next week too? So this was taped Wednesday. I don't know about you. I was tuning in tonight because I wanted to see about the acclaimed and the gun club. But even that, because it was live, like, again, they're, the one thing AEW, I think, has a challenge with on Friday is there's not enough that's happening at these tapings that's got people buzzing about, oh, my God, you've got to tune in Friday. Or they're not using TV to their advantage and taping backstage stuff to surprise people. Yes. That's a good point. They've got to create must-watch television, and Rampage is the opposite of that. You talk about getting to the end of the week and phoning it in. I wouldn't say Rampage necessarily does that, but the audience does because this is the last hour of, I believe, 10 hours of wrestling in a week. And so people really need a reason, and we've seen that with the viewership of Rampage. They need a reason to tune in to this programming. When they had that battle royal with the two rings, people were interested in that. People actually yeah. watched that. They did one of their better numbers. That wasn't a great number, but it was definitely one of their better numbers that they've done in a few months. But it really tends to settle in that low 400, high 300 range because Rampage just seems like an exhibition. It seems pretty much like Dark. Yeah, and I, you know what, though? You know what's funny? I hear people talk about Dark and Elevation more than I hear people talk about Rampage. Yeah, online. especially on social media because yeah. I don't know if it's because it happens during the day where people are they're maybe they're at their cubicles at their offices, you know, oh. not necessarily out and about on a Friday night. Oh, I've noticed that. I mean, in fact, wrestling Twitter, I'm sure you've noticed this too. It's like you can have something non-wrestling related, but if you or I were to tweet that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Friday in the afternoon, like we're going to get eyeballs. We're going to get interaction. You could yes. have the best, the, like the most fire tweet on earth on Thursday and no, like nothing crickets. Yeah. You when, know, when there's no, yeah. The, like the wrestling audience stays off social media on days when there's not programming they care about. Definitely. Whenever those days are there, whether it's before, during, or after, you've got, they're just on Twitter. I think maybe that's how the ecosystem works and WWE knows that. So that's when they put all that stuff out there that they know is going to create conversation. Yeah. So tonight was night two of Fighter Fest week one. Malachi Black and Brody King with Julia Hart versus John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Were you surprised Malachi and Brody got that win? I was not. That was a stiff-looking pile driver at the end. I mean, because I grew up in the 90s, I think every 90s kid cringes when they see that move because that's a move that almost paralyzed Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, jeez, hmm. I mean, it looked close. It looked like his head landed directly on the map, but he looked like he was fine after Alex Reynolds. Um, so, Darby launched a surprise attack on King by leaping off the tunnel. Always cool. Sting came to the ring. Yeah, we got a video package teasing the the Miro and the House of Black. Eddie Kingston, Chris Jericho. I am super into this. I love the package we're getting for it. Uh, the promos, the recaps. This is going to be huge. Doing a good job with this. I thought Chris Jericho's promo this past Wednesday was amazing. I thought he was very funny on commentary, talking up Eddie Kingston. They really, really promoted this match on commentary. Partly because Chris Jericho's there, but I think AEW really wants to put a lot behind this. It's going to be barbed wire, everything. It's going to be during Shark Week. They have to have their best foot forward. So we'll see what they do. Hey, this is that TV 14 booking. 
Why don't they get a platform and say the water is shark infested and you have to throw the other one off the platform into the shark infested waters? I would love that. You throw there, you throw some red dye in there. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, and they could, they could fake this so easily. Like in the nineties, WCW would have done that. Somebody would have done, they would have done a universal studios in the jaws ride. Yes. They would. Yeah. Like, but that's that. This is come on. I would love that. Shark Week. Get some prop sharks in there. I would absolutely love that. And then oh let's say Jericho loses a match. He gets torn up. He just comes back next week and says, I'm a wizard. That's how I survived that. Because I'm a wizard. And then we move That's on. A good. A shark attack is a brilliant way to write someone off TV for a while. <laughs> yeah. That's how they should have written us two dimes off TV. Oh my God. That's good. Like, yeah, why aren't we running this? I need like I'm I need to call Billy Corgan or Freddie Prinz or somebody and be like, hey, you know, look, uh, I'll I'll work for next to nothing. Just uh, give me a small equity stake, but I because I got ideas, man. Yeah, I'll send some stuff. I'll send some stuff in. I'll zoom it in. Yeah, seriously. They could uh, so they have the NXT parking lot, which is very dangerous. AEW could have the shark infested water where people fall in there when they're ready to go off TV. Why don't they have a floor is lava match? Oh, that'd be fire. Low hanging fruit. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't know. They got to, they got to do something. They got to do something. Yeah. Ever cousins of WWE Brock Lesnar would have five a shark. I would love yeah. to see that. That would be so cool. They're not doing enough with sharks and wrestling. I agree. By the way, did you hear on, on SmackDown commentary? Tonight? I feel like they were trolling the audience on that Austin uh, Moss match because within the span of like a minute, they said TNT dynamite and impact. Did they really? Yeah, on commentary. I remember them saying impact. I didn't notice the other two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they say impact fairly regularly, but it was weird. Yeah. It was TNT Dynamite and Impact. That's where wow. I was just like. Bad. That's a crazy coincidence to be having. Yeah. I mean, like, why not go all the way at that point? You know, <laughs> be like, this is some major league wrestling we've got going on right now. <laughs> you know? Don't Tony con me out of my time. Um. So... Jonathan Gresham with Tully Blanchard uh, versus Lee Moriarty for the Ring of Honor World Championship. I feel like the Ring of Honor World Championship gets defended on AEW television more than the AEW Women's Championship does. A hundred percent, I would say it does. And I thought this was a good match that nobody cared about. What do you think is holding Gresham back from connecting with the audience more? I don't even think it's a connecting with the audience. Nobody knows who he is. They finally got him back on television. And so I think people are just looking at him. I know the hardcore fans know who he is. And I know a lot of people in that building knew. But in terms of creating a television character and a match that we're going to care about, why are they fighting each other? How did Lee Moriarty become the number one contender? You know, I know Jonathan Gresham turned on him last week, but they have given us no reason to believe that they are even a team because they were never a, a team. There was really never a feud here. So they just threw this match at us and good on him. I mean, I, I think he's definitely talented. He literally legit is one of the best technical wrestlers. He's very in the world, athletic. If not the best technical wrestler in the world, but they've done nothing to make you care about him or ROH. Yeah. Well, and so speaking of which Claudio Castanoli came out and uh, him before Gresham, that is going to be like the ultimate wrestling nerd match ever. It's going to be great. It's, I mean, Lord knows how high Claudio could throw Gresham in the air before one of those uh, uppercuts. <laughs> he might go up into the third deck. I was going to say, he might hit a light or something. Yeah. I don't know. It could go. Uh... It's going to be a good match, though. If they go forward with that and that's an ROH match that they're having, good on them. They just need to tell us the story. And he did say he's going to be here every week. 
That Those were his words that he's going to be on TV every week. So if he's able to do that, I have no doubt that he's going to be able to get over. Uh, Athena and Chris Statlander wrestled Robin and Charlotte Renegade, and they won the match. And me saying that sentence was actually longer than this match lasted. Yeah, it was a very quick match. Did a couple of spots. It was whatever. Uh, I mean, they're still building it with Jade and Athena, you know, and they had Chris and Athena staring down Kira and Jade. I mean, I think they're still doing a great job with the batty section and Jade. I just think that these squashes being like the setup for then the, the actual feud after, I, I don't know that this is working as well as they think it is. Yeah, I think they've done a good job making Jade into a star. I have no problem with her winning squash matches just to make her look that much more dominant. But I do think that she needs to be wrestling more. I mean, she's getting more TV time and appearing here. And I really don't like what they're doing with this angle with Stokely. I think that they should be on the same page because they just got together. But I'm fine with it. I just thought it was very weird how the heels ran in there and just easily disposed of these baby faces, just really hurting their credibility. And they're not just anybody. Athena and Chris Statlander are supposed to be two top-tier faces in the vision. And Jaden and uh, Kira just went in there like it was nothing, just disposed of them. So the gun club explained why they turned on the acclaimed, but they didn't really. Um, They did. You know, it was mostly Billy Gunn in... But there's and a time when has- Daddy has to drop the hammer. Pause. <laughs> I mean, what's the explanation? It was. I, mean, I don't know what the exact. I think it was just he did it better when he said blood is thicker than water. Uh, I think it was last week. So that's the explanation I'm willing to take. But they really didn't say much of anything in this. And Max Caster didn't have a freestyle, but it was acapella, which it's fine. It's okay. I just like that acclaimed beat. He should have really said that, you know, um, we just feel disrespected. We are not ass boys. We are ass men. <laughs> and you'll treat us with the respect we deserve. That'd be a great reason to turn on somebody. Which, by the way, shout out to Anthony Bowen to this segment. Right now on Forbes, I have an interview with the great Fred oh. Rosser, the first openly gay WWE superstar, but now New Japan Strong Openweight Champion. Uh, he said to me that he wants to scissor with Anthony Bones, where it's coming out of his mouth. They really should have had a Forbidden Door match. It was during Pride Month, AEW versus New Japan. It seemed perfect. Uh, it would be a historic pay-per-view match. I think it could have been great. But uh, Fred Rosser and Anthony Bones, I think, is going to be a match that we see sometime in the future. I love the acclaim getting that baby face reaction tonight. Yeah, they're definitely they're gonna be huge baby faces. They're not gonna be able to deny these guys. FTR, if I'm FTR right now, I'd be a little nervous. FTR, they're the most over tag team probably in wrestling right now, and they're riding high. But when those baby face acclaim guys come for you, I'd be very nervous. Yeah, no, I think it's gonna be good. Um this main event tonight, Lucha Bros versus the private party. What did you think of this? Pretty, pretty lengthy match. Yeah, I'm glad I got to see Ray Phoenix. He's one of my favorites, if not my favorite in AEW. And this was a good match with Private Party. I love how they temporarily reunited this HFO tag team that everybody forgot about. I forgot that they were even an entity. But they are reunited for one night only, as if that means anything. And this was a good match. Private Party is really good when they get those opportunities. Uh, But I'm just glad to see Phoenix and um, Penta back together. This, this was fine. This was a good match, good way to end the show. But again, a lot of these matches and bearings are very random and they give you no reason to care about them. 
Yeah, it was a good main event. Private Party, I think, is one of those that I, I believe there's a, a overwhelming sentiment that AEW kind of uh, put them on the back burner. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's good to see them getting like a main event match. So this, this was a good end of the week. This was very uh, exciting. And uh, I mean, Lucha Bros getting the win. It is what it is. But the, the problem with Rampage is not a lack of quality wrestling or talent. Definitely. That's not the problem with this whole business. It is coming down to the storytelling, the amount of content, the night that it's on. Um, and the fact that Rampage is now promoted as the B show, it is a clear B show. So people aren't going to be as incentivized to watch tomorrow might be a fast nationals day. I'm just, you, you might be here from tomorrow. Tomorrow might be a fast national Saturday. I don't, I don't know if this, uh, it went down considerably last week. So maybe there's room to improve, but I was watching the show like, man, what is going to keep people tuning into this? Now, when the streets give you the fast nationals, do they come on a charcuterie board or is it like text or what's it, what's it, the me- methodology? It is a beautifully wrapped charcuterie board, sometimes with ribbons, like gourmet ribbons that they use. And uh, last week it came. Meat with ribbons. Pache- yes, with Pacheco. <laughs> Meat ribbons. <laughs> I mean, this you got to check some of this stuff out. And it goes bad. I can't eat it all. You know, so I'll have a couple of uh, cubes of cheese. Then I got to throw it away. It's it's very sad, but but a new one's coming. So uh, I think I'm gonna be enjoying some charcuterie tomorrow. Cheeses and fancy meats and whatnot. Uh, like I've been into home like pickling things lately. It's kind of the same thing. Like there's a fine line between peak deliciousness and oh no, this is bad. And like I must throw this away because this will make me violently ill if I eat it. Yeah, especially with like blue cheese where it's already bitter, so it takes yeah. you a little bit. Yeah. So here's what I've been doing with bread lately, because uh, you know, down 30 pounds now, watching the cars. Hey, we get the, the Bible, we call it the Bible bread, but it's the Ezekiel bread. Apparently, not a religious company. Uh, <laughs> they just like they use some biblical inspiration for the simple ingredients. It's a low sodium. So I get the loaf of that. We never make it through a loaf in a week, always throwing away at least half a loaf of bread. So now I divided it in thirds and, f- and freeze two thirds of it and then have the other one. And it's like, oh my God, in two weeks, I've actually almost made it through a loaf of bread. Wow. And so this is just like regular carb bread you're saying, or is this like the, the substitute? Uh, well, so the Ezekiel bread, it has lower carbs, but the carbs that it does have are whole grains, sprouted uh, grains, like better for like the, the good carbs, the stuff you want to eat. I, I, I make a nice little avocado toast with it. I put nice. some black cumin seed on it. I put as a little pickled onion on the avocado, you know, eat it that way. It's tasty. It's good. I take uh, my, my vitamins. I take my supplements with it because they're better absorbed when you eat fat. So the avocado is a good little mix. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the Ezekiel bread, very low in sodium, very tasty. They have a flax bread. I think is delightful. Oh, sounds good. I'll check that out. I eat keto bread, which is, I really yeah. can't tell the difference. Yeah. This is kind of, kind of along those lines. Like it's yeah. not compensating for the lack of carbs with fat the way a lot of keto stuff does. Yeah. Um, but no, I buy, I buy a lot of keto keto friendly products you taking the mct you know doing the mct oil no no no. i haven't taken that but i, I do a lot of keto friendly products for sure yeah How, are you doing mct doing mct uh five gra- five grams a day in my coffee i get the powder not because you could just have coconut oil you could just literally put coconut oil in your coffee it's a little high in saturated fat but i do two scoops of the powder mixed in with the coffee can't really taste it it's good um but yeah but I had to cut down on supplements. I was taking too many supplements where I was like, this is not healthy, the level of supplements I'm putting in my body. My kidneys are working overtime to process all this. Getting all jacked up, huh? Well, no, I mean, because here's the thing. I uh, have non-alcoholic fatty liver. 
Uh, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. A lot of people have it, like 50% of the population has it. You read online, everybody's saying like, I took artichoke leaf extract. It reversed my fatty liver. I took black licorice root. It reversed my fatty liver. I've read like 30 things. And then when you Google a supplement name and any disease or any affliction, there's that NIH health site that comes up, .gov. There's always a study. There's always at least one study that supports everything. Well, they yeah. found that, you know, scientifically this reduced this, they saw improvement in this. So my thought was like, well, if 20 things work, I'm going to take all 20 things. Okay. <laughs> one of them will work. One of them I mean, what, if, what if 19 of them are like harmful to you? That's what I found out with some stuff. Cause some of it was like, oh no, bla uh, black liquor shoot, like uh, fennel uh, root, the drop, yeah. like bad for your kidneys, apparently. Like too much turmeric, bad for your kidneys. Are you so, a black licorice guy? Uh, you know, I think that's something that comes with age. Because as a child, you taste black licorice and you're just like. Um, but I have some recipes and stuff that use fennel seed. Because fennel seed, I mean, that's, that's yeah. black licorice taste. Uh, when used correctly, it can be okay. But I never just want to sit there. Like, let me put it this way. I probably can't go through an entire black licorice pack of red vines, but I'll, I'll fuck up some cherry red vines, you know, like that. Yeah, for sure. I love licorice, but black licorice, I've never been able to do. In fact, speaking of fennel, I was in Portland this past weekend and they had this brewery with fennel. One of the beers had fennel seeds in it and I just couldn't do it. Oh, yeah. Couldn't yeah. Do it. It's good, though. If you get the, the seed and you like crush it up, like, you know, one of those little... Uh, forget what they're called uh with like the uh yeah like it's it's, it's the smell is very strong but yeah. you know what's funny though is if when i because being vegan when you make like a fake meat sausage substitute like it's all about fennel seed in yeah. the sausage for that flavor it's very good uh but here's what i want to know about AEW. what's going on with mjf it has been so long now that in my mind michael j fox has reclaimed those initials <laughs> I don't know what's going on with MJF. It's radio silence all across the board. I don't know if this is part of their plan to make it seem more real or if they're just going to tell them to lay low so this thing can blow over and whatever happens, happens. Because I do think that there is a mixture of real life and work shoots sure. with this angle. I do think that whether it's MJF no showing and that being legit and then them making a storyline about it, I don't know where this stopped and where it began in terms of being a storyline, but there's definitely a mixture of that. So that might be what's holding it back. Maybe there is stuff going on behind the scenes, but I mean, they are just not even saying his name. There's no sign of him. And I think it's a mistake because I was in the building in Inglewood when he cut that promo and it was the loudest promo I've yeah. ever heard in terms of crowd reaction for a promo. I've never heard anything like that live. I think and I've been Tony in the building with a rock in Ronda Rousey's oh, yeah. segment and it was louder than that. I think TK thinks he's a genius in that, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna let people forget about it. And then when he shows up, oh, my God. I, I don't get that. That is counterintuitive to momentum. To, what, <laughs> to pro wrestling. I mean, pro wrestling is dying to be mainstream again. And not that this was really going mainstream, but if this did get some attention. I don't think it got the attention that they thought it would. Maybe that's part of the reason why they're, they might be putting it on ice. Uh, because it didn't really blow up on Google Trends or anything like that. But it did get a lot of people talking. And I do think it had the potential, if you kept working with it, to really become something. Imagine, if you will, an alternate reality where after his 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 groundbreaking guest appearance with a boisterous audience reaction, if the producers of Family Matters had said, nah, one Steve Urkel character, that was enough. <laughs> we got We got a show to put on about the Winslow family. Yeah, we're going to stick with the plans. All yeah, that cheering and momentum, uh, put it on ice. 
Yeah. That's a great analogy. That's exactly what they're doing. They're putting Steve Urkel in a box. You got to give the people what they want. You don't see that in TV. When you see a breakout character in TV, the producers cannot wait to get that character back or have talk about that character or say like, oh, we're going to do more. They, they shot cold opens with Steve Urkel to insert into syndicated episodes that Steve Urkel was not in before he appeared on the show. <laughs> That's amazing. So are you saying, so who's the Joe Marie Payton of this situation? The Harriet Winslow. Is that Wardlow where they're just going to stick with him as being the guy over MJF? Yes, that's exactly. And, and Cody Rhodes is like the child they just wrote out. Yeah. We're like, what? We didn't have another kid. <laughs> you know, I think we've talked about this. Family Matters is a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. Yes, yes. Yeah. Watched a lot of Perfect Strangers on the bootleg cable. Uh, was hilarious. About, uh, Perfect Strangers is the last great classic sitcom yeah. of that 1950s original sitcom formula. That is the last great one that made it on the air. Because the 90s saw a lot of interve- uh, uh, innovation and really came away from that. But that show still holds up. Very funny. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Matthews saying, do we think there's a chance MJF shows up in WWE? I mean, that would be phenomenal, but I don't think that's happening. Yeah, with, There's going to be a lot of news on that front in terms of his contract, if that's the case. But I think he could show up in WWE, just not anytime soon. Just in 2024, maybe. But I think he'll come back. I think they do have a plan Actually, I don't think they have a plan because a lot of people go on ice in AEW. They've just got such a big roster that sometimes people get shuffled out. And I think this just lasted longer than they thought it would. And I don't think they know what they're doing or where they're going to be going with the storyline. But this isn't like uh, like the librarian hasn't been on TV in a while, you know, or like, oh, they dropped the ball on Marco Stunt. This was the hottest story up, up until like the last month when – you know, all hell broke loose. This was the hottest story in professional wrestling for the first half of 2022. Yes, it was very hot. And I'm dying to know the mentality and the thinking behind this. I'm sure Tony Khan and one of those media scrums, anybody has the balls to ask him this question, should press him on why it took him so long to bring back MJF, what was going on behind the scenes that made you think it was a good idea to wait? Because maybe there is a story to that. Yeah, look, Nobody is pressing Tony Khan with those media scrums. Yes. They're just, I will say Nick Hausman of our own wrestling inks, Nick Hausman, he always has the best questions. And he's the one who the past two pay-per-views has asked about MGF. But other than that, it's just another fan fest with those media scrums. But hey, but, get it how you live. And that's, but that's part of the problem, though, is that I think the media covering it, I mean, almost wants to play into the – like they want to keep it kayfabe. Of course. They want questions about, oh, how did you get over so well? You know, and you never really hear anybody press. Somebody needs to ask Tony Khan, hey, you got an update about those anti-AEW bots and how would Elon Musk's potential purchase of Twitter change that? I might pull uh, up on one of these things. I might pull up on one of these audio ones. They told me to stay my black ass home for the media scrum, but they invite me to those audio calls. I might pull up on one of these things. Stay tuned to those. Yo, uh, TK, um, could we potentially get uh, a line of, uh, you know, the, the dual uh, AEW vest over the NFL jacket? Like, can we yes. make that? Can, will you sell those perhaps as a pair at the Jaguar Stadium? You know? Tony, if I have $75, will you sell me a combo NFL Jaguars ex-AEW vest? That's all I want to know. Please get into a media scrum. Get a dial-in from somebody. Oh, I can get the code. I can get on the phone call. I, I, I might get on the next phone call because I do have some real questions for Tony. I'm Kyle. sure you do. I'm sure you have some, vi- like... 
Get the one-on-one interview for Forbes. Make it happen. I've interviewed him before. This is is in better days between us. This is going to be like Vince McMahon, like slapping Bob Costas, like, or or looking (laughs) like he was about to. So, uh, okay. Before we really get in trouble, we got to wrap this up. Uh, Alfred is at, this is nasty. I'm at Glenn Rubenstein. Have a good weekend. Everyone watch back to the future too. It's fucking weird, man. Uh, Have a good one. We'll catch you next week on the wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care.